What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 13 of the Deep Ball Diamond Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Palo, and I'm joined by a familiar voice today. Normally, he's co-hosting with me on the Gridiron Edition. Sometimes he's on the Diamond Edition, but today he's my co-host on the Diamond Edition. Please welcome Corey Lickman. Core, how are we doing today? Doing pretty good, you know. Excited to uh, talk some baseball. I mean, Brock's. I guess he's he's earned a he's earned a vacation, so you know I got to step into the for uh step in for his role for the day, and yeah, I'm ready to get to it. Hey, who knows? They might be calling Brock's uh, Wally Pip, and then Corey becomes Lou Gehrig, and he starts and he goes on for the next two thousand podcasts of the Diamond Edition. Who knows? Uh, let's get into today's topics because I mean, this past week in baseball has been absolutely insane. Probably one of the craziest trade deadlines I can remember. Uh, the amount of deals, especially the big names that were on the move. But before we get to that, I think we got to kind of touch on some other news around the league, and then we'll get into some of these trades, break them down, see what, see who we thought won the trade deadline, who lost it, and who missed out on a big opportunity to improve their team. But we'll start with two starting pitchers who, unfortunately, won't be helping their teams down the stretch, uh, whether they're going for the playoff push, push or not. We'll go to a guy who's about, I think he's 32 years old now, Steven Strasburg, former number one overall pick in 2009, uh, one of the most hyped up prospects uh, for a long time. And he got a thoracic outlet syndrome. So he's going to undergo surgery for that. And at 33 years old, just turned 33 this past month, I think the Nationals are going to be a little nervous, man, because ever since they paid him in 2019 they paid him after he won that like the world series mvp it's been a disaster of a contract already he's only made seven starts since then and with five years left that like like 180 million dollars about on the contract 170 million i mean these guys got to be terrified no yeah definitely this um thoracic outlet syndrome uh like you said it's been it should be an issue and other pitchers in the past have uh have not really recovered from it well, but personally, yeah, I mean overall for the Nationals, they got to be looking like yeah, this might be a bum of a con like a bust of a contract right now. But I mean, I don't think they could like think of it like I think after the 2019 playoffs, like this guy deserved his money. It, it looks it's gonna be terrible on paper now, but I don't think like like I think they're gonna regret. I don't think they're gonna regret it at all just because like can't you can't predict this i think after 2019 he deserved his money and he was only like 31 or 30 so i mean it's a tough scene for for strasburg and the nationals he probably won't be the same pitcher he ever was but i mean nationals might just have to eat this contract and just uh some bad luck here yeah yeah you're right i'm definitely the bad luck um, I mean, the guy did absolutely carry them down the stretch in the playoffs. He did win World Series MVP, as I mentioned, in 2019. So, again, it's almost like he deserved it in that way for their performance. Yes, you'll like nat Nationals fans will at least look back from it and be like, oh, well, Steven Strasburg brought us a championship. So, you know what? At least he got his money. Yeah, it was a bust. But, yeah, I'd be extremely worried for the Nationals. Like I said, he it just he I mean, he started I think his last start this year was against like the Orioles and he like topped out at like 90 miles an hour. It just did not look good there. You mentioned the track record with thoracic outlet syndrome isn't great. I know it's basically the injury that completely derailed Matt Harvey's career. And Strasburg did have Tommy John, too. So it's kind of similar to Harvey in that sense where he had Tommy John first, and now he's going this procedure. So who knows? Chris Archer is another one who just got the surgery from the, for this in 2000. I think it was 2020 he got it. So he missed, he missed all of 2020. Now he's back this year. Actually got hurt again this year. So, yeah, at the end of the day, 
they take the World Series, but f- five years left on this deal, then they're going to have, and they deferred like a lot of money on this deal too. That's like a lot what the Nationals were doing so they could pay everybody because they paid, um, like they're paying Patrick Corbin too, obviously Scherzer. So yeah, the Nationals payroll is going to be a little interesting when they get there. And I mean, Anthony Rendon, it was really between Strasburg and Rendon that offseason. They signed identical contracts, but they chose to take Strasburg instead of Rendon. I don't know. I mean, obviously, I think we can look at it now and be like Rendon probably would have been the right choice. But it's not like Anthony Rendon is lighting it up in Anaheim. Honestly, that contract looks bad as it is. So I don't think they can regret the decision of choosing Strasburg over Rendon. Like, they can't take that that hard. You know what I mean? And especially with how it looks like they're going to rebuild now with what they did at the deadline. I don't think they're going to be like, I don't think they're like regretting them missing out on Rendon. I think they're just going to be regretting more of paying anybody at all. Yeah, honestly, I, I honestly think if Rendon stays on the Nationals, he's he's still in the National League, still familiar with the pitchers. It might be a different story, but I mean, they let him walk to the Angels. And like you said, I mean, he just has not been the same player. He's dealt with some injuries. So, I mean, they had to pay one of them. Yeah, it's just tough for the Nationals. But I got a question for you, Pal. Do you think Steven Strasburg retires before his contract expires? Uh, I think he might retire before, like, I don't think he'll, re- I no, I think he'll, unless he gets forced out, unless, like, the Nationals cut him. Like, and, okay. like he'll still take his money, if you ask me. I think it's, like, I forgot how it's structured. It's structured really weird. It's structured so that he gets, like, $80 million later. Like, it's it's a bad contract. So, yeah, um, I, I think he tries to, He's a competitor, you know what I mean? Hopefully, like I said, hopefully we're having this conversation and he can turn it around and he recovers to the best of his ability. But I don't know. It just doesn't look too promising. So I'd say no, he doesn't re- – because I, I, I don't see him maybe being in baseball at, say, seven years when the con- by the time the contract's done. But I don't know. I think if he's pitch- if he's like – if he's not forced out, if the Nationals don't cut him, then, yeah, I think he'll pitch. At least I don't think he'll uh, walk out on his own is what I'm trying to say. I think he'll be, like, forced out, if that makes sense. Yeah, I I honestly don't know where I stand on that. I like I he probably he'll probably take the money even though he's a competitor. Yeah, he probably unless he's like back and he's absolutely terrible and he just like it's like a seven point six ERA and he's just like yeah I can't deal with this anymore. Then he'll retire. But if he's like a manageable pitcher, yeah, I think he'll uh he'll wait this contract out. But yo, I hate to do a mid interruption, but did you just get that that uh, alert for about Garrett Cole? Unfortunately, I did, and I guess we'll loop it in. We're talking about aces going down. Derek Cole's tested positive for COVID. He's supposed to start tomorrow. You talk about the Yankees' plans that just do an absolute wrench into it. Andrew Heaney started for them today, did not give them a good start. Uh, You're hoping Cole obviously can come back tomorrow and give them a great start or whatever off this loss, a brutal loss today. And now uh, he's probably going to be out at least 10 days. So that is absolutely awful. And again the Yankees just can't catch a break it, it, everything goes right it's it's the same thing with this team man it's like you have a great weekend this past weekend in Miami obviously Anthony Rizzo's uh, comes in and just absolutely scorching the baseball and now you have a you lose an absolute disgusting game today to the Orioles and now Cole test positive it's a, it's it, it sucks man it's a game of high, highs and lows and it's it's been like that all year for the Yankees I have really I've really noticed that man Yankees Yankees fans and this Yankee team, it's like one week, you're like, oh, we're done because you get swept 
by some random team. You're blowing games in the ninth inning. And then you have an impressive weekend against the Marlins. Take uh, and it took what two out of three from the Rays. Have a nice week, have some uh, some nice games in Florida. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, yeah, maybe we, we, we could turn it around. Then you lose to the Orioles, cold down. But I still think uh, still think the Yankees are on the on the rise right now. I mean, Cole, it's not like he's injured. He'll be back in no time. I'll probably miss what two starts max. Hopefully, mm-hmm. they could at least split split those games with with Cole out. So. I don't think your Yankees are in a bad situation right now. Just got to get, just got to get in the wild card, and then anything can happen from there. You, you want Cole pitching in that game, so yeah, I think your Yankees are in a, a better. No, I wouldn't say that, just because like they're not currently in the playoff position, but definitely on the higher rise right now than, than the Mets. But you know, I I, I don't want to get off topic, so we we can we can keep going from uh, what you got, yeah. No, you're right. You're right. I definitely think I know they also lost Herman. Herman just went on the DL. He's been pitching a lot better, or the IL, excuse me. So he Heaney took his spot in the rotation. Now I'm assuming that uh, Cortez will probably pitch tomorrow. Actually, Heaney didn't take his spot, but I don't know. They'll they'll figure it out now. Uh, but I mean, they're playing the Orioles, then they play Seattle, and then they play Kansas City. So I mean, these are teams that they have to beat up on if you want to make a push and be. Uh, even even have any chance on the division, you have to win these games. If you want the wild card, I mean, obviously, still you got to win the games to get in. But yeah, uh, a team who the Yankees will be battling it out with, the Tampa Bay Rays. They don't have the race at all for the rest of this year. They probably won't even have them for the rest of next year either. Tyler Glass now he did get hurt, I believe, last month. Uh, it was like right around when the foreign substance po- foreign substance policy got issued. Uh, he's elected to get Tommy John surgery, which is a brutal blow to the Rays. He, obviously, he's pitched so well for them ever since he came over in that Chris Archer trade. The interesting thing to note about Glass now, he's a free agent after the 2023 season. So if you think about it now, he's probably going to come back next year around like mid-August, right? Like I think like 12 months is honestly a fair uh, timeline for a guy recovering from Tommy John. So he's going to be limited kind of next year. And then in 2023, he's not like, he's going to kind of have like an innings limit on him. But the Rays, they don't really like, bringing like their guys into their last year, of their contract, they like to sell high on their pitchers. Obviously they don't really like to pay anybody either. So I wonder like it, did Tyler glass now maybe throw his last game, like in a race uniform. Like I feel like that'd be, that's crazy to think about, but I honestly think it's kind of a possibility. Yeah. I think it's, uh, might be a little early to determine that, but I mean, glass, no, obviously has nasty stuff. I like, like you said, the Rays like, they just managed to win games with like really low payroll. So yeah, he comes back next year. You think around like mid August. I mean, that's probably that's after the trade deadline. So like they, I don't even know. So not nah, he has next year and then one more, right? Yes. Yeah. So uh, next year he's got like, um, well, let's say like a month plus, and then he's got 2023. Yeah. Nah, I think. Unless this guy is like really dominant, I, I mean, I could really see Glassnow trying to be shipped in like 2023 as long as he's like decent off this Tommy John surgery. Because, like you said, like the Rays, they really don't like to pay guys. I mean, Blake Snell, he was a, uh, I mean, he's not doing too good for the Padres, but he was pretty dominant as an ace for the Rays, and and they they shipped him this off season after a pretty good season. So yeah, I mean. I'm not going to say it's going to be his last game, but I think it's definitely very possible. I definitely could see Glasnow coming back. And then, and I mean, I don't know. Like, the Rays are just a good team. Like, I can't see them 
dealing glass in the middle of a good season, maybe in the off season, maybe he doesn't even get to pitch in his final year of his contract, but I don't know. I think it's hard to determine what you think. Like if he's a free agent after 2023, they're, they're just going to let him walk. I personally think that if he doesn't pitch at least a little bit next year, right? So, like, he's wiped out for all of 2022. I, I don't think he makes into that last year, like, with the Rays. I, mean, I don't think they'll extend him. I think they'll trade him somewhere and make him somebody else's problem. Listen, the Rays are the best team, if you ask me, in the league at evaluating their own talent and selling high on their own talent. They've done it time and time again. So, I don't think it's going to be any exception with Glass now. I think, obviously, the surgery makes it a much more complicated situation. But yeah, I can't like I think it would be uncharacteristic for the Rays then to enter 2023 with Glass now not throwing in a year and a half, 18 months, and with one year left on his deal. So I personally I don't know. I mean, look what they just did. I know now this kind of brings us into our trade recap. They just traded Diego Castillo with who has like a couple years of control. Like last year, Diego Castillo's closing games for them in the playoffs. And now all of a sudden they're shipping him out. Clearly they saw something in him that uh, like his stuff regressed and they don't want to deal with him anymore, which it's just what the Rays do. Time, like I said, time and time again, they make these trades and you scratch your head and you're like, at the end of the day, you're like, the Rays win. Like, honestly, I, just don't trade with the Rays if you actually, they just don't get fleeced. I mean, Willie Adamas, if you ask me, honestly, doesn't look like a great trade for them because Willie Adamas has went to Milwaukee now and has crushed the ball for them. But Wander Franco takes over at shortstop. They're not worried about that now. And they get two guys in the bullpen, uh, like Rassman or whatever his name is. He's throwing like 99 miles an hour again. It's just like they always find these guys who throw absolute shed with wipeout sliders. So don't trade with the Rays, I guess, is the moral of the story. Because they just know they're they're a lot smarter of a team. Uh, Diego Castillo went to the Mariners, actually, in that trade. And that kind of brings us into our trade talk. I mean, I mentioned a kind of a smaller trade, but... Let's start talking about some of the bigger fish, and I guess we'll do the one that kind of kicked off a crazy, like, 30 hours, I guess I want to say, because Starling Marte was traded on Thursday, I believe. It was, like, Thursday afternoon in a one-for-one swap with Jesus Lazardo, of, uh, formerly of the Oakland Athletics. Uh, he actually just pitched today for the Marlins. He pitched a right against the Mets. Uh, the big thing in this trade, I guess, is that the A's, like, didn't have to pay any of Marte's contract. Like, the Marlins retained all his money. But with Lazardo being under team control, I believe, to like 2026, I don't know. I think the Marlins kind of fleece the A's here. Marte's a free agent at the end of the season. Uh, compared to like what other people got, too, for players, I don't know. I think this is a really good haul. Lazardo, obviously a former top prospect, and he has some nasty stuff. He throws like a 99-mile-an-hour sinker, a good changeup. And I think that Miami's a good place for him to go. Obviously, they've had success developing guys like Sixto Sanchez. Uh, they got another young kid, uh, Edward, Edward Cabrera in their system, who's a top like 30 prospect in baseball who throws hard too. So the Marlins, I think, honestly, Alcantara is another guy in their rotation now. So I think the Marlins might've found themselves a real good starter for a pretty reasonable cost. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Starling Marte, obviously having, um, a good season with the Marlins, but I mean, you're the, Mar you're the, Mar you're the Marlins right now. You're, you're not really going anywhere. You, you ship him off to a playoff contender in the Oakland A's. And they give you back a 23-year-old lefty who who's proven his his stuff is pretty nasty. I mean, was not doing too good this year at an ERA over six, but I mean, still only 23 as a rookie. I know he was good, but yeah, I mean, I think you're the Marlins here. You walk away definitely happy getting back a 23-year-old left-hander 
and uh, a guy who's shown flashes of being uh, a pretty good starter. I mean, both teams yeah, get sure. what they want here, but yeah, I think Marlins did really well here. Yeah, I think starting Marte, maybe I'd like, he's honestly very underrated. I mean, guys having a good season, had a really good tenure, honestly, in Miami. I think he was only there. They traded for him last year at the trade deadline. But Lazardo just hasn't, like, consistency is being his biggest, biggest problem. Uh, this year he got hurt. Like, he, was, he actually got hurt this year playing video games. So I heard he, like, slammed his controller into a desk or something, like, broke his finger or something like that. So, I mean, that's just tough luck in a way. But come on now. You're a professional pitcher. Can't do that. Uh, but, yeah, it's consistency, getting back on track. Obviously now in the Marlins, they're not competing this year. He's going to get some starts down the stretch. Then I'll have spring training to figure it out. And hopefully he can be a fixture in their rotation for years to come. For a Marlins team that, let me tell you something. They have a lot of good young arms. I mentioned Sanchez. I mentioned Cabrera. They got their pick last year. I think they had like the third pick. Max Meyer is down there in their system. He's ascending right through there. Uh, Alcantara. I mentioned pa- Pablo Lopez is another good one. Uh, Trevor Rogers might be the NL Rookie of the Year. I mean, they are really deep when it comes to starting pitching. They just Their position players have just not developed. I know like Brinson they have. Diaz, they got like two Diaz's. Uh, Quay Alfaro hasn't really developed. But, yeah, uh, enough of the Marlins development. You know what I mean? Let's talk about some more big trades. I guess we'll, I guess we'll go with the biggest trade of the day. This was just on Thursday. This on Friday. The Max Scherzer deal. I mean, I don't know how you could just call it the Max Scherzer deal because Trey Turner is just equally as important. These guys, the Dodgers in L.A., they say, I don't like being in second place no more of, of these lowly giants in front of us. Let's go make a splash. And they bring in. Two of the top 20 players in baseball, I want to say. Uh, Scherzer, obviously, multiple Cy Youngs. The guy is an ace in any staff. And Trey Turner is criminally underrated, all-star level shortstop. Scherzer will be a free agent after this year, but Turner has an extra year of control, which could potentially help the Dodgers a lot because they have um, Corey Seager being a free agent at the end of this year. So you throw Trey Turner into that lineup, too. That's just unbelievable. And Corey Seager actually just came back, too, from the IL. So it's almost like another addition to that lineup. But they give up two pretty good prospects. They give up a cast switch inning catcher and uh, Josiah Gray. So both guys who are at top 50 prospects, uh, that's a consensus on them. But if you look at some other trades, I think the Dodgers made out really well here. I think that there were other teams that paid more. Like I'll say like the Blue Jays, I thought, paid more for Berrios than the Dodgers did in this situation. And the Dodgers also get Trey Turner, who has that extra year of control. Uh, they also add Dan Duffy, who's an underrated ad from – the Kansas City Royals and the Dodgers, they want to repeat for sure. And I, let me tell you something. That's a team who they they kind of see themselves hovering around in that NL West. Obviously, the Padres are there, too. So they needed a splash. And boy, did they make one. Yeah, I mean, you talk about a super team. I mean, you can't really get super teams in baseball. It's kind of difficult. But I mean, that team just filled with absolute star power. And yeah, I mean, the, the, the San Francisco Giants are the league's most surprising team as of now. I mean, they went out and made a splash. Sure, we'll be talking about that soon with Chris Bryant. But, I mean, the Dodgers come, and, they, and they're not playing around. They get Trey Turner, I mean, an all-star. Max Scherzer started the all-star game. I mean, that formed some some trio. I mean, no, nah, their pitching is just unbelievable. Bueller, Scherzer, Kershaw, Urias, May. I mean, they just have a ton of guys. And then... I mean, at the plate, that lineup, I think now it's definitely, I definitely put it at the number. They probably were before this, but I mean, now just that lineup's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, I, I don't care what you give up in this situation. I think it's worth it adding that much star power. And uh, 
yeah, I mean, that's a tough division. Uh, the winner of the NL, it could be from that division. So, I mean, they got to compete. I don't think they want to they, – they don't want to be in a one-game wild card, even though, I mean, they're probably going to have the best pitcher and a better lineup than the other team anyway. But, I mean, I think they're coming for that division. And, yeah, I mean, if they don't – I mean, I would – I think they definitely should win two World Series in a row in this situation with that uh, loaded roster. So, I mean, yeah, the Dodgers just went out and made themselves – they're probably on paper already the best team, but just made themselves not even a debate now easily the best team in the league. Yeah, put it perfectly in that last sentence. I've been going into the year, and even during the season, you were still saying on paper the Dodgers have the most talent. They are the, they have the best roster, and this just undoubtedly – they just reminded everybody, yeah, we do have the best roster. I mean, they have – now it's going to be Turner, Betts, Muncie, Seager – uh, Bellinger, Chris Taylor was an all-star this year, and Will Smith. Like, that, those are your one through seven, let's say. And then, I don't know, I wasn't paying attention on positions there, so I don't know. Um, that, I mean, they got Albert, Albert Pujols. Is there. I don't even know if poor Pujols is going to be getting too much uh, playing time anymore. But, yeah, it seems unbelievable. A.J. Pollock's another one of their outfielders. Uh, in the rotation, too, I mean, you didn't mention – Trevor Bauer, I mean, obviously his status is up to the air. I, don't Bauer, man. How? I mean, I don't, I don't know what his situation is. I know he's been like on placed on administrative leave. I think there's a chance that the Dodgers know maybe more than us, so they're kind of preparing for um, the season and maybe honestly life just without Trevor Bauer on their roster. So that's why they want to go, go get Scherzer. But I mean, in a one through four, still in a playoff series, you have uh, Bueller. Scherzer, Kershaw, Urias, that's unbelievable. Like, Danny Duffy is having a great year, and poor Duffy's just not going to sniff that rotation uh, without Bauer. So, the Dodgers, again, like you said, I think this puts them definitely as odds-on favorites. But, listen, that's why the game isn't played on paper, you know what I mean? You could argue that the Dodgers have had the best roster in baseball each of the last three years, and look what they did in 2019. with uh, They blow that series to Washington, and Washington just was the team that got hot at the right time. But... You kind of did allude to this. You mentioned their division rival, their San Francisco Giants made a move. Uh, they bring in Chris Bryant, obviously. I think I, I was talking about this to Brock's last week. I was saying I think Chris Bryant should go to the Giants. I think that would be a perfect ad for them. Gives them a feared bat in the middle of the order with guys like Brandon Belt, Brandon Crawford, and Buster Posey. Uh, he's versatile. He can play everywhere. I'm not sure exactly where he'll primarily play. It doesn't matter. Play the outfield, play third base. But, yeah, I think Bryant's a great ad, one of the best hitters in the National League. Uh and then I guess we'll talk about another team who got rid of who got a fellow Chicago Cub, the, your Mets. They get Javi Baez, a guy who could potentially play shortstop for them until Francisco Lindor's out, then slide over to second base. Both Baez and Bryant were pending free agents. We expected them to get dealt. Uh, I think they, these were both perfect moves for both the Giants and the Mets. I think they needed to, again, they needed to get another piece to kind of solidify their playoff like standing, I guess you want to say. I don't think that if I think if either of these teams stayed put, they would have been in trouble. But again, you get these guys who can slide to the middle of the order. They'll play above average defense, and they are just so tough to pitch to. I think both these teams made out very well at the deadline. Yeah, definitely. I'll start with the the Giants. I mean, Ed and Chris Bryant, um, a guy who could be feared in that order. 19 home runs on the season. Uh, yeah, I just hurt to see a guy who used to be on the Mets, Wilmer Flores, he'll probably be relegated. To a part-time player, but, you know, I mean, Chris Bryant, definitely an upgrade over Wilmer Flores. I mean, that makes that lineup way more dangerous now. And, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, after they saw Trey Turner, 
and Max Scherzer head to uh, head to L.A. I, and Adam Frazier head to um, San Diego. I know the the Giants front office like knew they had to make some type of move. And yeah, they made they got Chris Bryant who homered in his first first game with the Giants. I mean, the Giants twenty seven games over five hundred right now. And uh, yeah, I mean that's a tough division. They're gonna have to keep keep that up. Chris Bryant hopefully has has a big impact there. And then Javi Baez. I mean, as a Mets fan, I was just excited to to get like he's probably Javi Baez definitely one of the most exciting players in all of baseball. His swing is just electrifying. Just like he's not he's not your modern day type guy. A guy can get on base. He's not gonna walk. He's gonna strike out. He's probably gonna strike out over 200 times this season. But I mean. You're looking for the flair of the game when he connects with one. That ball's going over 400 feet. Uh, he's absolute cannon in the field. I just think Javi Baez brings more to the table than just like his intangibles as a player. He just has so much energy and everything like that. I definitely think it could help start spark the Mets clubhouse and just the team as a whole. And especially when Francisco Lindor comes back playing with his friend, I think that middle infield will definitely be gelling. And move um, McNeil over to third. I think the Mets, with Lindor back, I think uh, they got to start to generate some type of consistency because right now they're not doing well at all. Only with a two and a half game lead on the on the Phillies, but I think Javi Baez brings a lot to the table there. Yeah, for sure. Hopefully they can get Lindor back as well as Jacob Degrom, who uh, hopefully I know he got like a setback. You're hoping that he can come back. I know they got Caresco back as well. So mm -hmm. yeah. One thing I wanted to talk about, like, with Baez, too, you mentioned, like, what he brings. Like, I feel like the Mets have had a very good atmosphere all year. Obviously, how they've overcome all these injuries, too, and they're still in first place and stuff like that. So, I think Baez fits well into that clubhouse. And, like, you mentioned the flair he brings. I mean, this past week, what he was doing with Amir Garrett, I thought that was absolutely awesome. When uh, he was just staring down Amir Garrett, he's walking to first base. And, like, the next day, actually, Baez was on deck to pinch hit, but David Bodie like grounded out against the mere gadget. So I would have loved to see Baez come up with a chance to tie the game. But uh, I guess we'll talk about the final Cub, right? Who got traded? He got traded to my New York Yankees, Anthony Rizzo, uh, a guy who I'll probably he was the leader of those Cubs teams, especially that 2016 World Series uh, team. The Yankees also went out and got Joey Gallo from the Texas Rangers. They also traded for Andrew Heaney, who that trade doesn't look great, I guess, so far. But listen, it's only one start. I'm not going to go slander Heaney. I, I like actually Heaney as a pitcher. Uh, pitch well, 2019, tough luck 2020 and this year as well. But yeah, uh, I actually love what the Yankees did personally at the deadline. Another team that just couldn't sit there. If they would have sat, stood pat, I think the Yankees honestly would have been in danger of not making the playoffs. I think this makes them more of a contender in the American League. It puts two lefties in their order and gives them much-needed balance. And more importantly, I guess you could say, they didn't give up any of their top prospects. Uh, they saved, like, their top, like, eight prospects in their system, according to, like, MLB.com, weren't moved and stuff like that. So I think that's a win-win in that way. Uh, Rizzo, free agent after this year, uh, obviously he had just such a crazy series in Miami. He was unbelievable. Hits two home runs, and then the next day gets a game-tying hit. So – I would be. I would honestly love if the Yankees could bring back Anthony Rizzo. I know that would probably mean Luke Voigt could potentially be traded, which I'd be fine with. Uh, Voigt's a good hitter. Uh, he honestly has pretty good trade value, too. So maybe they could get a piece for him. And Joey Gallo with an extra year of control, I think that helps them for the future as well. If maybe this year they fall a little short, at least they can run it back in 2022. But there were a lot of directions I think the Yankees could have went at the trade deadline. But, I mean, I was pumped. I mean, if you would have told me a couple years ago that Anthony Rizzo would be a Yankee, I would have been like, I mean, I, I wouldn't have believed you. Anthony Rizzo's just – he's just a perfect guy in the clubhouse, too. 
So yeah, I was very, very excited. I mean, I, I honestly didn't think they were going to make a move for Rizzo. So yeah, I thought maybe Gallo, I thought Gallo or Story, they'd bring in one of them, but to bring in both, uh, very excited about that. And the results were good over the weekend. Not great today, but hopefully they can turn this around and make a serious push in the division, which I mean, Boston just got swept this past weekend. So it is wide open in that AL East. Oh, yeah, I think the, um, the Yankees at the trade deadline were definitely definitely a huge winner, bringing in two left-handed bats with power in that lineup, especially with uh, the short porch at Yankee Stadium. I think their lineup definitely lacked lefty bats with power, and they got two guys who uh, can do that. I know Gallo off to a little bit of a slow start with the Yankees, but um, Anthony Rizzo showed why he's been one of the best hitters in the league over the last eight years or so and hitting two home runs in Miami, like you said, a game tying hit on uh, Sunday yesterday. And yeah, I think the Yankees lineup on paper before this, like at, when healthy, like you're like this lineup should be able to score five runs or more every game. But I mean, just, I guess, wasn't really working out. I'm not saying that and I have, they haven't even been scoring that much since Rizzo and Gallo have come, but I just think it, those two offer um, more balance from the left side of the plate, and yeah, I think like if you were, I think people were saying you could, the Yankees could have went different ways, but there was just no way the Yankees were gonna like one not make any moves or two be be like sellers at the deadline. Like I like the Yankees are just never gonna be sellers at the deadline. Not like they should have. They're not really far out of wildcard spot, but I, I actually heard stuff like that. So. I mean, baseball is honestly better when the Yankees are good. So it's good to see the Yankees get two uh, two big bats like Rizzo and uh, Gallo, and hopefully they can make big impacts for the Yanks down the stretch and uh, get a wild card spot or, uh, I don't know, maybe hunt down uh, the Rays only seven games back, still like 50 games left. So, yeah, you never know. Yeah, three games back of the wild card spot, seven games of the division. The Evil Empire hopefully is back in baseball. And even you mentioned, I mean, I don't think the wild card game would necessarily be bad for the Yankees in the sense because whoever they go against, they're going to have the best pitcher on the mound that day. They'll have the best pitcher on the mound. And uh, like between Boston, I mean, you could argue, I mean, I still think the Yankees lineup on paper right now would be still better than Boston's. Although it's close, Boston has a very good lineup. I think the Yankees, the Yankees will have the better roster going that day in a wild card game, which is what you want on your side. So I don't think the, the Yankees not winning the division, if you ask me, would be like an end-all, do-all. I think they'd be fine if they had to play in a wild card game. But um, I want to pivot and I'll talk about kind of like the big three now from Chicago that got traded. It was kind of inevitable. If I was a Chicago Cubs fan, I'd honestly be devastated. You watch these guys, especially if it was like, you know what I mean? Like uh, in the early two, like 2010, 2013, they were brutal, the Cubs. And then they finally rebuild their team. Theo Epstein comes in as the general manager, overhaul, overhauls the organization. They gave you that World Series in 2016. They gave you a couple of deep playoff runs the years before, uh, right before and a couple years after that. But yeah, it's kind of a turn the page, and it's got to hurt to see Rizzo, Bryant, and Javi Baez all hit home runs in their first game since uh, leaving the Cubs and on their new teams. But I think ultimately these three guys are all just like perfect guys to root for, and I think Cubs fans, it, it's it's tough to watch them in their other on their other teams, but uh, ultimately, I think the Cubs fans want uh, any of their three guys to win a World Series. Yeah, I definitely think Cubs fans, uh, like, these aren't guys, if they, they come back to Chicago, like, any no one, obviously, no one's going to boo these guys. Like, any one of these guys comes back to Chicago, they're getting 
a huge standing ovation. I think uh, these guys, they did they all they were all in the yeah no, they were all on the World Series yep. uh, team yeah. So I mean honestly the Cubs probably should have got more than one World Series, but I mean they got their first World Series in more than a hundred years in 2016. So I mean I think it's all love between Chicago and all three of these guys Baez, Bryant, and Rizzo. I know, uh, I mean, they're probably seeing these guys hit a home run in their first game. Maybe uh, maybe made fans shed a tear a little bit. But I think at the end of the day, I mean, the Cubs, I think, I still think they had like a lot, like a decent amount of talent on that team. But I just think like the era of the Cubs being like a World Series contender, just it was past that time. So, I mean, I, I can't really blame, I don't know, is Theo Epstein still the... The GM of that team, or my Theo? He walked this past off season. He took a job in like uh, baseball, like like at the MLB office. Uh, I okay. honestly think Theo's gonna be. The, I think he's gonna be the next commissioner too. If you ask me, oh, if you ask me, once Manfred's done, hopefully. The, I love Theo Epstein. I know even even though he burst onto the scene as a Red Sox guy, I mean that guy will go down as one of the best baseball executives of all time. I mean he broke the curse of the Bambino and then breaks uh, the Chicago Cubs curse. So it's pretty impressive. No, yeah, definitely impressive, but yeah, I just think maybe the Cubs shouldn't have sold on everybody, but I think, yeah, it was definitely past the time of them being World Series contenders. I think Cubs fans knew that, knew that, but it just might be a tough era for them now. I mean, rebuild, rebuild eras are always tough on the fans, but I just think, yeah, it was past, past the time, and those guys probably had to go. Yeah, I think it just sucks to lose all three of them. Like, if you ask me out of the three, I mean... Maybe the one who, like, over the next, like, six years, if, you, if you're if you going to offer them off seven-year extensions, maybe Rizzo's probably, like, the cheapest of the three because he's a little older. But mm-hmm. I feel like Rizzo was, like, kind of, like, like the identity of the Cubs. You know what I mean? Like, he was that big voice. Not Whereas Baez might have been more flashy and Bryant might have been the best of the three, let's say. Um, I thought Rizzo was kind of, like, the heart and soul. So I thought – I was kind of surprised Rizzo wasn't um, extended. I don't know they couldn't figure anything out. But yeah, for the, and it's not like the Cubs are a small market, too. The Cubs pay people. So I think that's also what probably pissed fans off. Uh, you could go on for days, I mean, arguing what went wrong, maybe on why they didn't win another World Series. I mean, they had, like, John Lester obviously was a good deal. They won on the World Series, but Arietta fell off. Then they let him walk. Uh, Jose Quintana, they traded for. He was absolutely brutal. And they trade Aloy Jimenez in that deal. They trade Dylan Cease, who are two guys now on the White Sox across town who are having a lot of success with that team. So, yeah, you, uh, Jason Hayward was a brutal contract. I know technically he was on the World Series team, but I think only Wilson Contreras and Jason Hayward, uh, Kyle Hendricks is still there as well. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I'd be, I would definitely expect Hendricks. I would definitely expect Contreras to get moved this offseason. I think Contreras has like one more year left on his deal. But I guess we'll talk about the last guy who got moved by the White Sox. Not really part of their core. Signed only in 2019. Craig Kimbrell was actually sent also to the Chicago White Sox. Uh, and one thing about the Cubs doing this rebuild, like, in this sell-off, the Cubs really didn't get a lot in return. I know they got the Yankees. They got two guys in the Yankees who were, like, just outside their top ten. Um, the Giants, too, they got, like, their ninth-ranked prospect or stuff like that. The Mets, they got uh, P. Crow Armstrong, who's, like, I think he's, like, kind of fringe top 100 guy. He was a former first-round pick from last year. He's probably, like, the best of the prospects that they got. Um, but at least they did a little better in the Craig Kimbrough trade. They got Nick Madrigal, a former uh, number four overall pick out of Oregon State. A uh, guy who makes a lot of contact. He's short, a quick, really good defender. I was honestly pretty surprised for the White Sox to trade him. I thought this was a great trade for the Cubs. I thought maybe the other three, they definitely could have gotten more for. But I think um, 
from the Cubs side, they did really well in this trade. But for the White Sox, they bring in Cesar Hernandez to play second base, at least to replace Magic on the short term. I know Magic was out anyway this year. But putting Craig Kimbrell into that bullpen with him and Liam Hendricks to complement Michael Kopech and uh, the lefty Crochet, I mean, the Chicago White Sox made themselves the clear-cut favorites, if you ask me, in the American League. With their three starters, their uh, their bullpen, now they have four reliable arms who all throw uh, pretty damn hard. And now their lineup, obviously, the Chicago Cubs have a great lineup. And once they get Luis Robert back in center field, I mean, this is a dangerous team. Yeah, I mean, I used to do uh, – I did a do like a podcast at, uh, at school, and we were like talking about who like I thought was going to win the AL before – the uh, season started. The White Sox were my pick, and then like midway through, I wasn't feeling too confident in them. I know they had some injuries with uh, Robert and Jimenez, but uh, yeah, adding Craig Kimbrell, I mean, I'm not saying this was like a huge need, but I mean, you could always use help at the back end of your uh, of your bullpen. Yeah, they gave up Nick Madrigal, who's a uh, yeah, like you said, former first round pick. Um, yeah, I know he's not a big home run guy, but I know. He's a good hitter. But, yeah, I mean, Kimbrell and Hendricks at the back end. I mean, Kimbrell having a year like this year like he used to be when he was on the on the Atlanta Braves in the beginning. Like that guy just – when he was on the Braves, he was just – I thought he was, he was just the best closer in baseball. I mean, the guy pretty much untouchable at points on that team. They kind of went through like a dry spurt. And then all of a sudden this guy this guy's just back to, it, to his Braves days. So, I mean, adding Kimbrell, like you said, I think this definitely makes them – the favorite to win the to win the AL, and yeah, once they once their bats become um, I know who just came out. Jimenez just came back. I know he hit a bomb a few few days ago. Yep. Um Bears still hurt. Yeah, I mean, if they can get healthy. I think on paper, this should be um the favorites win the AL. And like I said, I mean, you can never have enough relief pitching in the playoffs. Kopech and Crochet, both guys who are kind of like. I guess long-term, you'd honestly even think of them as starters. So they could probably go two innings in a playoff, like, in a playoff game, no problem. And then, obviously, Lance Lynn, Lucas Giolito, and Carlos Rodon at the top of their order. Even at uh, the top of their rotation with Keiko and Dylan Cease at four and five. I mean, I don't know how you use them in the playoffs, but good problem for Tony LaRusso to have. Uh, like I said, this definitely – I think the White Sox definitely separate themselves again as the clear favorite in the American League. And uh, also, them adding Kimbrell keeps him away from teams like – Tampa Bay, who was apparently very in on him, Boston, who was in on him, and a team like Houston, who's had a lot of bullpen troubles this year. So I'm sure Houston also wanted to get their hands on Craig Kimbrough. But moving off that, move to an AL team who uh, made a big deal. Uh, Jose Barrios goes from the Minnesota Twins to the Toronto Blue Jays, a guy who was definitely in uh, large demand after Scherzer was dealt. He was kind of the last big fish. Uh, when it came to starting pitching, the Blue Jays give up a lot in this deal. They give up Austin Martin, who's a former uh, first-round pick from 2020. He's a kid from Vanderbilt, won a college world series for them a couple years ago. Uh, and Simeon Woods Richardson, who actually was used to be in the Mets system, was traded for Marcus Stroman a couple years ago and now gets traded again. He's actually on the Olympic team, too. Hasn't pitched in the Olympics for USA, but uh, poor, poor guy's in Tokyo. He's finding out like 3 in the morning I saw that he's traded. But two guys, again— who are regarded in the, in the prospect world as top 50 prospects. So if you compare this package to like the Dodgers pack, what the Dodgers gave up, I think it's uh, like pretty similar. But listen, I don't not not to slight Barrios. I love Jose Barrios. I mean, he pitched great for the uh, for the Blue Jays yesterday. Looks like he's throwing a wiffle ball out there with his slurve. Has a good change, but obviously throws 95, 96. But I don't like I don't completely love this trade for Toronto. I know he does have an extra year of control. 
but I, I don't know. Listen, I know, I know with prospects, I guess they're trading from like a surplus because like Martin really is kind of blocked by Bichette, George Springer. So in that sense, I guess like trade from what, like the excess that you have, but definitely a big package to give up and hopefully Berrios can turn out well for them. And I mean, if he can, I mean, it makes the Blue Jays again, a team that they're pitching. We've pointed to all years being a problem. Uh, it fixes fixes up that hole. Maybe they could go make a playoff run and catch like the Yankees and the Athletics for a wild card spot. Yeah, I mean, I think the Blue Jays are one of the most exciting teams to watch in baseball. That lineup is absolutely dynamic, and I mean, they definitely overpaid for Berrios. There's no question about it. But I mean, I get he was one of the best arms starting pitchers on the market. Just probably behind, uh, I'm probably forgetting, but yeah, behind I would say Max Scherzer, but then. Jose Barrios obviously has had a uh, great history as a starter and only 27. I think um, a good get by the Blue Jays. I don't know what his contract situation. He, is he under contract for a few more years or he's got, he's got uh, one more year left. So like 2022 will be a free agent. Okay. Like at the I, end of 2022. Yeah. I mean, if he's not, I think, I, I mean, the, I would say the twins obviously did really good in this, uh, in this position, but like you said, yeah, the prospects they give up. I mean, the Blue Jays already have so many young guys who are just bound to be like stars or superstars in the future, like Boba Shett. So I think one arm, I'm not 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 gonna directly help you that much, but I mean Barrios just has nasty stuff. So I think he definitely helps the Blue Jays here. And Blue Jays kinda in a sim I mean the Yankees obviously higher expectations, but they're in the same division. Only one game separates the two, and they're both trying to make moves to get to that uh, wild card or even catch a team in the division. I mean, they're not, like, fully out of it. So, I mean, if you're the Blue Jays and you're the Blue Jays fans, you got to, like, like this move because if I'm a fan, I, I'm, I'm all right giving up prospects to, to try to better my team right now, especially if, like, if I'm in the thick of things. So, I mean, it's a good trade for both ends. Um, and, yeah, the Blue Jays. Go get their guy, and the Twins obviously get a haul for it. So good for both teams. Yeah, for sure. I, I think we used to say, too, like the Yankees make those trades for Gallo and Rizzo, and then it's almost like the Blue Jays are like, all right, let's go. Like We're also in this. Let's go get Berrios. Uh, the one, like the only reason, listen, I, like I said, I love Berrios. I wish the Yankees would have got him. I would have been okay with the Yankees parting with a couple of big names to get him. But, like, I just don't see him as a true, like, as much as I'd love to, like, he has the stuff for it, like, of being a true ace. Like, I think he's more of, like, a 1B in a sense. Like, I th- like yeah, he could st- he'll start you game one of the playoffs, but he, he probably won't be the best pitcher on the mound that day is what I'm trying to get at. Which isn't really a – it's not a bet. Like, it's not a, it's not saying he's bad. It's just saying that, like, he's just, like, maybe not that next level. He's good. He's a great pitcher. He's obviously an all-star level pitcher. He has the stuff for it. So, hopefully, maybe in Toronto, a change of scenery. I mean, listen, I'm not going to like to see this guy pitching against the Yankees more frequently because – He's just got, he has devastating stuff. And again, he's an exciting pitcher to watch on the mound. So again, the Blue Jays become, you could argue the Blue Jays, if you ask me, are like the second most exciting team in that sense behind the Padres, I guess, probably take number one. I think the Blue Jays give them a close second. Obviously, they have their young players. Uh, They also added Brad Hand to sharp their bullpen, which has been horrendous this year. Brad Hand kind of like hasn't been great, though, this year for Washington. I think he blew a game today, too, so. Uh, early returns not great on him, but hopefully he can provide some stability in that bullpen because, like I said, that's been the thing that's holding the Blue Jays back. But yeah, I think the Blue Jays adding Berrios gives them a chance to make a run. Now you have Berrios, Ryu, and Robbie Ray going one through three in a rotation. That's doable in a playoff series. It looks a lot better than it did a couple weeks ago. So yeah, 
Uh, at the end of the day, if they if they bring back Barrios after 2022, then you're probably what you call. You're probably like, oh, they like they're fine with the trade then. You know what I mean? It's when like if Barrios struggles a little bit, and then he walks, and then Austin Martin becomes a superstar. And then it's like, all right, that was a tough trade. But at the end of the day. Uh, I, I like the Blue Jays going for it. You know what I mean? The prospects are no short thing. Right? I talk about them being like, oh, they're giving up all oh, this prospect. But at the end of the day, you just you don't know. You know, sometimes they just don't pan out. So good for the Blue Jays for going for it and sending a message to their team and their fans that they know that their roster is good enough right now. And let's go compete adding a young arm like Barrios. Uh, and in the AL East, they continue to add pieces. The Red Sox, uh, they were a little quiet and late. They add a guy, Kyle Schwarber, who's hurt right now. But he made an all-star team this year, a big lefty bat. We'll play a little left field for them. We'll DH a lot for them. So another good get by the Red Sox. I think that uh, they were probably in on Anthony Rizzo. I was hearing to play first base for them. They lose out on him, but they get a guy like Schwarber who is absolutely mesh the ball, had a great month of June. Um, so, yeah, I thought this was also a good move by the Red Sox. That definitely helps them even stay in the thick of things in the AL East. Yeah, I think Kyle Schwarber, I mean, before he got hurt, he was the hottest hitter in all in all of baseball. I mean, this guy was just hitting home runs every single day. And obviously, the Nationals kind of going through a rebuild phase right now. I mean, the Red Sox at Kyle Schwarber. I mean, that adds another bat to that lineup. A lefty, a lefty bat. I know right field, obviously, in Fenway, pretty deep. But I mean, nonetheless, I mean, that's still a really big bat. I would say the AL East, like one through four in that division. Obviously, not the Orioles, but the the Red Sox, Rays. Uh, Yankees, Blue Jays, that's a very competitive division. All teams going out trying to make deals. All right, I'm going to ask you, what would you, how are you ranking one through four in that division? I'm going to put you on spot. Like, I want to, I want to hear your thoughts. Like, one through four, like, who got the most, like, who got the better, better, the most? Like, one through four. You get what I'm saying? Like, who who did the best? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, who, improve, who improved the most? Yeah, improved. who improved the most? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe my English. I got bad. you. I, I know. All right. All right. So, number one, I don't care if it's a homer pick. I'm definitely going with the Yankees. They added two all-star level bats, two lefties who are going to hit second in their order and fourth in their order. Uh, Rizzo brings them a little different of a dimension where he gets on base more. Gallo, more of, like, the true out, the three-outcome guy where it's a yeah, home run strikeout or walk. Uh, but uh, Gallo is also a gold glove level defender, so I'll definitely go with the Yankees at one. Uh, two, I mean, the Rays, they did lose Castillo. They did bring in Nelson Cruz a couple weeks ago, but I'll put the Blue Jays over them in this situation because I think the Blue Jays needed a pitcher so bad. And Berrios, yes, they might have given up a lot in the future, but r- right now, Berrios will slot in to the top of their rotation. He's going to give them good innings, and he will win them games. And maybe even Hand could be a good piece at the end of the bullpen. Uh, number three, I'll give the Rays. Obviously, they bring in Cruz, who's an all-star hitter. Again, plays in the middle of their order. Castillo was maybe expendable, I guess. In their eyes, he was. So I'll go with them. And then the Red Sox, just with Schwarber. Not that Schwarber's not a bad ad. I, like I said, all these teams got better. I just think that their lineup was already good. I thought maybe they could have used um, maybe another starter. But then again, they, they are getting Chris Sale back probably very soon. So possibly they don't need him. Uh, they don't. They don't need a starter. Excuse me. They definitely could use Chris Sale. So yeah, that's what I'll go, I'll go with. Those out of the trade deadline, um, like the trade deadline rankings. And two with the Red Sox, they kind of did miss out on both Rizzo and Kimbrel, who it seemed like were their two big targets. So to strike out on those two guys, I'm, I'm not going to say that like it wasn't success their trade deadline, but I think they could have done uh, a little better than they did. Yeah, man. I think 
think you nailed that right on the head. I think uh, those rankings honestly were like the same as mine. I think definitely the Yankees, like you said, it was a homer pick. But from someone who's a Mets fan, I definitely think the Yankees improved the most. And definitely I think I put the Blue Jays two. Not saying like Nelson. And then I'll put the Rays at three. Like Nelson Cruz, obviously, is still an elite bat, even at the age of like 41. But I think the Blue Jays were able to get something that was kind of a weakness of theirs compared to obviously the Rays, who obviously could have used another bat. But I think right now, like starting pitching for the Rays, they're not going to go out and get a starting pitcher probably. But I think I think their lineup's probably better than the starting pitching. So that's why I'll give the edge to the Blue Jays. They went out and added something to their weakness. And then, yeah, I think the Red Sox at four with Schwarber. He, I don't know how much longer he's out, but like their, their lineup is already really good. And adding Schwarber obviously makes it better, but I mean, it doesn't make them like as much better as the top two I said there. So yeah, I think the rankings are pretty good there. I'd, I'd have to agree. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, good to, good to know we're in agreement on that. Uh, hopefully we're in agreement on a couple of the surprises that I, I thought, at least from my end, I guess I'll start first with the Colorado Rockies, not trading Trevor Story or John Gray. I think that is absolutely terrible. I think maybe they didn't get enough back. So they think that like whatever picks that they get back from, uh, Story and Gray, if they lose them in the offseason, the competitive balance picks are better than the hauls that they could have gotten. But I don't know. I think when you trade Nolan Arenado in the offseason, you eat some of the money. You don't get a crazy prospect return uh, for him. And then you don't trade your pending free agents at, when you're having a brutal season. It's like, what are you doing? I think a lot of fans would be scratching their head in Colorado. Like, I don't like when teams are stuck in purgatory almost. Like, either you're fully committed to a rebuild. Or you're trying to win a World Series, if you ask me, in my mind. So don't get stuck on this middle ground. And I think that I'm, – I'm afraid that's kind of where the Rockies find themselves right now. Yeah, I mean, the Rockies team, currently 14 games under 500 and arguably – I mean, AL East is good. But I'd say definitely the best division in baseball. You're, you're obviously not going anywhere. You're probably not even going anywhere for the next few years. I think uh, Trevor Story, uh, probably not re-signing. As a free agent, I mean, John Gray is also a free agent. Yeah, right. Yep. They they uh, said yeah. though that they kind of want to bring Gray back, so maybe that's doable. That that one I could accept. Then maybe them not trading, but story I don't know. That that's yeah. brutal if you ask. Me. Nah, yeah, I could understand bringing back like a solid starting pitcher in uh in that in that ballpark. I mean, like good pitchers don't come around that often. But yeah, I mean, Trevor Story's been with that organization. For a little bit, I, he's taken over ever since uh, Troy Tulowitzki's left, and I think, yeah, I mean, 28 years old. I don't know if the, if they were asking for too much or too little, but I mean, the fact that they didn't get a deal done for Trevor Story, and now you're gonna have to let him walk in the off season and get nothing back for it. I think definitely is a, it's a tough move for 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 the Rockies front office. I think. You got a star caliber player like that. I know he's not having a great season, but he probably goes to a playoff team. Like it just changes. And he probably he's got more protection in the lineup. He goes to a playoff team. He probably improves that lineup and that team as a whole. So I think, yeah, the fact the Rockies aren't able to get a, done, a deal done for him. It's just, uh, it, it's not good for their front office. I mean, at least the fans, they get to see another half season of uh, Trevor story before he's probably gone. But yeah, you're looking at it as a whole. It's just uh, not a great move to get a deal done for a story. Yeah, because even if you compare like what the what the Cubs got for Baez, they get Pete Crow Armstrong, who's the Mets, I think, fifth best yeah. prospect in their yeah. system I was reading. 
right? He's, I think he went 10th overall last year. He's a guy who people are saying does have a lot of upside. So, like, why, like, you're telling me you couldn't get somebody comparable to him. Instead, you're going to take, like, a pick. They're going to offer him a qualifying offer. If he walks, they're going to pick in, like, the 30s, right? So, like, you know, like Armstrong right there, if you ask me, he's probably projected better than your guy that you're going to take in the 30s. So, who knows? I think I think it's just a missed opportunity by the Rockies. I know a team that I wanted to go get Trevor Story was the Milwaukee Brewers, who they did make a little bit of noise. They traded for Eduardo Escobar, who was an underrated piece, a guy who was an all-star this year for the Arizona Diamondbacks. I mean, kind of, they had to have an all-star, but still Escobar having a good year, switch hitter, play, versatile, probably play a little first base for him too. That's been a tough position for the Rock uh, for the Brewers this year. But yeah, I was a little disappointed then that the Brewers don't go out and get a bigger name like Trevor Story. Obviously Escobar, like I said, but I thought that the Brewers, with their three in their rotation of Burns, Peralta, and Woodruff, with their two relievers in Hayter and Devin Williams. Obviously, Yelich ha- has not a great year, but they pick up Willie Adamas. If they could piece together their lineup, I think they're such a dangerous team come October. And I thought the trade deadline might have been a spot where they could get a lot better and separate themselves from the rest of the NL, even from the Dodgers. But when the Dodgers make such a big move like that, um, the Giants even add a piece at Chris Bryant. The Mets add Javi Baez. It's almost like the Brewers now are – I'm not going to say that they're – below these teams but now it's like you you could have separated yourselves but now it's almost like other teams are separating themselves from you yeah i mean the brewers obviously have an elite team when it comes to pitching bullpen and starting pitching like that's a team like you've text like you've said like you probably don't want to see in the postseason and yeah they could upgrade that lineup maybe go out and get a guy like a trevor story or something like that but i mean yeah they get eduardo escobar who I mean, over the last few years, has been pretty good. I know he's having a good year this year, over 23 home runs, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a decent bat. Probably could have separated themselves a little more, getting another bat or getting Trevor Story. But, I mean, I think the Brewers, honestly, are sitting solidly right now in the NL. I mean, at the end of the day, like, you compare them to the Dodgers, like, pitching-wise, like, you could, you could make an argument the Brewers got – the got the advantage, but I mean it's like slim just because like the Dodgers just Dodgers and point are basically a super team, and I I just don't think the Brewers overall are as talented of a team to compete with a team like the Dodgers. I know they could have went out and got someone, but I mean I don't I don't think there were that many moves for them to like put themselves as like the favorite to like they'll never be the favorite to win now like to even just like put themselves. Mm-hmm. At at top and like, people be like, yeah, the Brewers are, are gonna like beat the Dodgers. Like I don't know. I, I think they could have got story, but I don't think they did. Tell. Like I think Eduardo Escobar is a solid ad for them. So I think. Yeah, maybe maybe I'm being a little too hard on the Brewers. I mean, Escobar is a good ball player, but uh, hopefully for their sake they can uh, uh, make some noise in come October. I don't think they're gonna have a problem as well getting to October. I think they'll. Uh, be able to beat out the Reds, even though Joey Votto is doing all he can to huh, keep that up. I mentioned Kyle Schwarber having such a good June. Joey Votto's having a Kyle Schwarber-esque stretch right now. Uh, so good for uh, Joey Votto and stuff like that. Quick shout. Uh, another surprise, if you ask me at the trade deadline, the Atlanta Braves, they refused to stand pat. They got a couple pieces uh, a couple weeks ago with Jock Peterson. Ronald Cunha goes down. Obviously, they brought in Peterson. Uh, they brought in a couple more guys. They bring in Adam Duvall, who used to be on their team, uh, Eddie Rosario, 
and uh, Richard Rodriguez from the Pittsburgh Pirates. So they see a wide-open NL East. They see them getting a couple guys back. And obviously, this is a team that's won the division the past two years. They know they're not out of it. They know that they're talented. And even without Ronald Acuna, they want to make a run. I love the message that this sends to the Braves like roster that, hey, we're in it down the stretch. And I think that uh, like maybe that isn't accounted for because now like management's putting their trust and they're they're backing that roster that's on the field now. So I think the Braves, like I said, they're immensely talented. They've been hit with a slew of injuries this year and a lot of bad luck. But maybe they can make a sneaky run. It'd be very impressive if the Braves could overcome all this to win the NL East, which is still wide open. Oh, no, I think I I mean, as a Mets fan, I mean, I don't think of it. I don't look at baseball or like any type of sport. Same as other people, like Mets fans, you're probably like, oh, screw the Braves. But, like, I think of it different. Like, obviously, Mets don't like the Braves, but I kind of see, yeah, like, the Braves obviously have not had a good season by any stretch of the imagination. They're two games under 500 right now, but they're only three and a half games out of first place. And I think even without Ronald Acuna, without a lot of other bats, I know Soroka having a devastating injury and, uh, like, other injuries in that – uh rotation everything they look up they're three and a half games out so I think they made some sneaky moves obviously getting Adam Duvall uh Eddie Rosario Richard Rodriguez against the rotation and I I know he was hitting like under 200s here but I like the Jorge Soler signing also I mean um acquisition mm-hmm. I think he he brings a lot of power and I don't know I just I like watching him play so I think the Braves I think um they're sending a message not like to their team and to like the NL East, I mean, that no one in the NL East cares really what the Braves are doing, but I think they're saying like this division, probably the worst, probably the worst division in baseball. So like, I think uh, their their GM saying like we we don't even need to have like a full roster, like or, or like a healthy full roster this year to even win the NL East. I think even though the Mets got Javi Baez, I think the Braves are showing like they're confident they could come out of this division still, and I think. They, they definitely can, only three and a half games out. So I like the moves. Yeah, for sure. Definitely going to be a race that to watch down the stretch. The Phillies, another team, the third team that's in that race. They pick up Kyle Gibson from the Texas Rangers. They also had Ian Kennedy to the back end of their bullpen, which has been so brutal. But now the Phillies have a formid- formidable trio at the top of their rotation with Nola. Zach Wheeler has been great this year. And now Gibson. And hopefully they can figure out their bullpen situation because besides like Ranger Suarez, their bullpen is atrocious. Hector Neres, brutal. Alvarado, bad. Archie Bradley hasn't been great. Kitzler's brutal. Like these guys are just disappointed. They haven't lived up to their expectations. Uh, I guess one other move I'll talk about and I'll leave it to you kind of take it away with anything. Kendall Graveman, an interesting sell-off by the Seattle Mariners who are in the thick of a playoff race. They trade Kendall Graveman to the Astros. Uh, The Astros are the Seattle Mariners players were not happy about that. And then, like, the next day they go get Diego Castillo, who is having a worse season than Graveman. I thought that was a little interesting. Uh, maybe the Mariners didn't think that one through. I don't know. I know Castillo does have extra years on Graveman when it comes to control. But I don't know. I don't love that move. Uh, but the Houston Astros did also reassure, reinsure their bullpen, which, as much as I hate the Astros, that was their biggest weakness. And they did uh, they did address that. They picked up uh, Jimmy Garcia. They picked up Kendall Graveman. Obviously, you could pitch uh, late in games. And I think I thought they picked up another bullpen arm. I can't think of it off the top of my head, though. So, yeah. So, I mean, even those two guys, though, in the bull, in the back end of their bullpen with Ryan Presley uh, could help sure up anything. But any other moves that you want to discuss? Um, nah, I think we've uh, we've hit most of them. On that last one, we were talking about Kendall Graveman. I think definitely 
kind of weird for the Mariners to uh, trade to a team in their division and um, give them like a really good relief pitcher. But yeah, I think most of the trades, I don't really know what else to hit on. I think we've uh, covered most of them. I know what's it called went to the to the A's also. Uh, Josh Harrison. I mean, he's not really yep. that. Who else? Went? I think the A's also got Young Gomes, the catcher. Yep. Yeah, not like huge, not huge deals, but I mean, Josh Harrison. Josh Harrison has been a pretty good pro throughout his career. I mean, he's already th- he's thirty four year old, thirty four years old. But I mean, I think he's uh, I don't know how he's doing this season, honestly. But I know, I mean, those are two solid pickups. I know he's hitting, he's hitting over like two ninety with uh the Nationals. So I think the A's obviously are not a team who's gonna like usually they don't go out and make big splashes. But I think those are two uh. Two like solid role players to to fit into that to that lineup slash team to uh, help them in the in the AL probably gonna be in the in the wild card because I mean the Astros probably gonna get the division so yeah I think those are uh, two solid pickups yeah it definitely helps them or at least remain in the hunt right so that um those are two good ads obviously with the Yankees with the Blue Jays uh, I mean. I wouldn't say the Mariners really got uh, got better, but even the Red Sox, obviously, in that wild card push, um, the A's kind of had to keep up in it, in a sense. Harrison, an underrated ad uh, for his versatility, and then which complemented that with Stalin Marte, as we mentioned earlier, uh, a pretty good deadline for the A's. I guess Dan, Daniel Hudson, too, was another ad who went to the Padres, a good late-inning reliever for them. Uh, but, yeah, uh, that's going to do it. For today's episode, I know that was a lengthy one when it comes to recapping the trades, but it just goes to show you how crazy the trade deadline was. I know really like all Thursday night, Friday until four o'clock, I'm just sitting there on Twitter, refreshing my phone, going through random tweets and stuff like that, feeding out which ones are good, which ones are bad, all the fake people making Twitter accounts and stuff like that. I mean, those people suck. If you, I hate those people. They got, they had, they fooled somebody too uh, at one point, like, uh, like about like Chris Bryant going to like the the Yankees, it was like a it was a thing, and like it was Jeff Passan's like it was a fake Jeff Passan account, like some verified people fell for it. So <laughs> that may make them look real bad. But uh, I'm gonna be Twitter man, it's ruthless. Uh, but I mean that happens with all those sports, obviously like NBA free agency and stuff like that. You're all up on Twitter and stuff. But uh, core, is there anything else you want to mention? No, I think uh, hit most of the trades and uh, other other news. Yeah, just thanks for uh, having me on the. On the Diamond Edition episode, hopefully I'll be back soon. But yeah, thought it was a good episode as a whole. Yeah, for sure. Held down the held down the fort. Uh, Brox will probably be on our next episode. Core will be there too. Uh, be sure to check us out on the Instagram at the default underscore. Be on the lookout for our next Diamond episode within the next week or so. I'll probably keep recapping any league news and stuff like that. Also, be on the lookout for our other like spinoff, the Gridiron Edition, uh, with me and Core Corey and I. Excuse me where we'll be discussing over the next couple of weeks, building our ideal defenses, drafting quarterbacks, getting into fantasy football rankings, and then previewing the football season because it's almost that time. October, September, October baseball, football season starting, big couple months ahead of us for sports. So be sure to subscribe to us at the deep ball. Take care, everybody. Have a good one.